Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. If your roof starts to leak or your floor's really squeak, you live in a money pit. Money pit. If your basement needs a pump or your place looks like a dump, you live in a money pit. Money pit. Pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home. I call an 888 money pit. Money Pit is presented by RoofMax and the Angie app. Now, here are Tom and Leslie. Coast to coast and floorboards to shingles, this is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And what are you guys planning to do around your house, your home, your condo, your yurt this weekend? You got a project you want to get done? You need some help solving a problem? You got a decor situation, a dilemma? Do you want to spruce up your outdoor spaces? You want to work on your kitchen, your bathroom, or just fix that squeaky floor once and for all? Whatever's on your to-do list, we are here to help. This is episode 2201. You can always listen when you want by following the show at moneypit.com slash podcast. Coming up on today's show, winter's harsh winds and snow and ice can definitely weaken your roof, which allows just about now those heavy spring rains to seep right through. And that's why it's a good time for a roof inspection. We're going to share some tips on how you can do just that. And just last month, the average national price for regular gas reached its highest price ever. Ever, guys. That's amazing. Like like ever, as in the history of the United States, ever. Wow. Right. Like the gas crisis in the seventies, like all, like nowhere near this. Right. This is ridiculously expensive. I mean, it's kind of unheard of. Well, anyway, guys, that strain is impacting consumers and businesses in ways that we've never before imagined, including the cost of home improvement. So we're going to share some tips on how to work with contractors during these unusual times. And we're also going to talk laundry rooms because that might seem like a safe space, but anywhere there's extreme heat and lots of water, well, there's the potential for trouble. So we're going to walk you through the most common trouble spots and tell you how to prevent leaks, stop fires, and mechanical breakdowns. So pick up the phone, send us an email, post your questions, whichever way you want to get in touch. We are standing by to help you out with whatever home improvement projects you've got on deck for this weekend or the rest of the weekends for the summer. Let us give you a hand. So give us a call right now. You can reach us at 888-MONEYPIT. You can also post your questions at moneypit.com slash ask. That is the best way to get in touch with us because we answer those questions first. So let's get to it. Leslie, who's first? George and Iowa was on the line with a decking question. What can we do for you today? The wife and I have done the ceiling with the deck twice. And both times, uh, the first time it lasted a year and it peeled up. And we sealed it again last year. And it peeled up again this this time after the winter, snow had melted. 
So we're not sure if you have any tips or some advice for us to help us out there. Well, you might want to think about doing a deck do-over where you just pull off the decking material and add a composite deck, keep the structure. You won't have to do this again. The, some of the decking sealants, if you don't strip down to the original lumber, they never absorb properly, and they'll uh, they'll beat up and they'll and they'll peel off. So your your options are to do that, strip off everything that you have there, and you literally got to strip it off down to the wood and sand it, and then you can use a primer and a solid color stain, and that will give you the maximum chance of adhering. The other thing you might want to think about doing, as I mentioned earlier, is doing sort of a deck makeover where you pull up the deck boards and then you replace just the deck surface boards with a composite like Veranda, for example, which is available at the Home Depot. And this way you'll never have to worry about staining again. You can even keep your existing railing or you could you know, go further and change out the railing as well. But it doesn't affect the structure of the deck because the material is still sitting on top of the original joist. Just that the deck surface has now been completely made over. It looks great, and you never have to worry about staining or sealing again because it's a lot of work, and you don't want to have to do it every year, that's for sure. Make sense? Nope, that makes sense. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. George, thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we've got Tina in Tennessee on the line who has a roofing issue at her Money Pit. What's going on? Yes, uh, we need to replace the shingles. Some of them come off, and it's um, it's Ogre Home two story. It's got plywood under there, and then the shingles. So I didn't know. I kind of wanted to put a metal roof back on, and I was wanting to know: Do you have to take the shingles off all the way down to the plywood, or would it be better? You know, sometimes they do that and strip that with planks or plywood or whatever. Um, but or would it be better to remove all that, or could I leave it on, or how's the best way? So, I mean, I think a, a, a contractor will tell you you can leave the shingles on, but I think it's a bad idea. There's no purpose for them to be there. Um, what they tend to act as sort of like a heat sink. You'll get a lot hotter roof as a result of that. And then that, that heat radiates down through the house, increases your air conditioning costs. If you leave a layer of shingles on and put asphalt on top of that, then the upper layer of roof shingles don't last nearly as long as the original because now, again, they're just being heated excessive an excessive amount of time. So I would recommend that you go right down to the plywood. Metal roofs are always a great choice. Um, they are a lifetime roof. They're very expensive. Uh, but once you do it, and if you do it right, you pretty much never have to replace that roof. Or if you want to try to, you know, just go with a roof that's going to last you, say, 20, 25 years, I would take those old shingles off and I would put a good quality asphalt shingle back on there and then just enjoy the next quarter century with that roof. If I put the metal roof on, I still need to probably take the shingles off. I recommend that. Yep, absolutely. All right. Thank you. Now we've got Mark in Oregon on the line who needs some help with a hardwood flooring project. Tell us what you're working on. I've got an old wood floor, a uh, hardwood floor that uh, is looking oh, kind of rough, but I don't really want to put a showroom shine on it, but yet I still want to keep it uh, protected, and I kind of want to keep it clean. So I was wondering if there's a product that you would suggest to more or less not refinish it, but yet keep it maintained, I guess. Well, so what you're saying is that you don't want to go all in and have it and, and like totally sand it down. You just want to sort of brush it up a little bit. Is that correct? Yeah, because it's, it's well used. It's in a dining room, but yet I think I kind of like that antique or almost museum look to it. Is any of it worn down to the bone? Do you see uh, the raw wood anywhere, or is it just scuffed up a bit? It's, it's pretty much scuffed and worn down, I would say, yeah, but it's not, uh, it's not, it's not bad looking. It's just... Uh, I just don't want to really put a shine on it and make it look like it's a brand new uh, hardwood floor. You're going to need to pull the furniture out of the room, and then you have to do a light sanding of the floor. If it's not 
really worn out to the point where like it's it's got uh, cracks or crevices or digs or you know areas where the the stain is missing or anything like that. It's just sort of roughed up a bit. You can do a light sanding, and the easiest way to do that is with a floor sander and a sanding screen on it. You go out and rent one of these floor sanders like you see used at a commercial building or the mall or someplace like that, and then they'll give you at the store a couple of sanding screens that go underneath it. And then you very carefully and slowly, you do like a light sanding of the whole thing, and then you'll have to hand sand along the, the, the baseboard and the corners and so on. Then uh, damp mop it just to make sure you get up all of the dust, vacuum and damp mop it. And then what you can do is apply two or three coats of satin polyurethane. I mean, you could even get flat polyurethane if you want absolutely no sheen to it, but satin usually has just enough sheen uh, to protect it but not be too obvious. And you apply that with, not with a brush, but with a lamb's wool applicator. You pretty much mop it on with a lamb's wool applicator and uh, stay out of the room for a couple of days and you'll be good to go. Well, it sounds great to me. I'll give it a try. Did you know that Americans take 20,000 breaths a day and spend an average of 90% of their time indoors? That's right. And according to the EPA, the level of indoor air pollutants can be two to five times higher than outdoor air and occasionally more than 100 times higher. Plus, every spring we get sucked with allergens, too. Well, Air Doctor is an air purifier that filters out dangerous contaminants like pollen, pet dander, dust mites, and mold. Their Ultra HEPA filter has been independently tested to remove 99.99% of tested allergens, including bacteria and viruses. That's impressive. Now, Air Doctor also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus the shipping. And they're offering a special discount to Money Pit listeners. Just head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT, and you'll receive up to $300 off air purifiers. Exclusive to podcast customers, you'll also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. Lock this special offer in right now by going to A-I-R-D-O-C-T-O-R-Pro.com and use promo code MONEYPIT. That's airdoctorpro.com, promo code MONEYPIT. Everyone should know that drinking water is important to staying hydrated and healthy. Having safe, clean water is the last thing you want to worry about, but unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants right in its tap water. That's why we are thrilled to be working with AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers use a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process, and their countertop purifiers work with no installation or plumbing. It removes 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and is specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAs in your water supply. And they have water purifiers to fit every type of home, from installation-free countertop purifiers to higher-capacity under-sink options. They even have a Wi-Fi-connected purifier and mineral boost options. And its proprietary purification technology is independently tested by IATMO to NSF and ANSI standards to remove over 80 of the most harmful contaminants, including chlorine, fluoride, arsenic, PFAs known as forever chemicals, nitrate, and many more. I can truly taste the difference when I compare it with my old water filter. AquaTrue saves you money also. Just one set of filters from their classic purifier makes the equivalent of 4,500 bottles of water. That's less than three cents a bottle. Plus, you'll save the environment from tons of plastic waste. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. And today, Money Pit listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. 
Just go to aquatrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter code MONEYPIT at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to aquatrue.com and use promo code M-O-N-E-Y-P-I-T. Money Pit. Now we're heading over to Delaware where Margie has a crawl space question. What can we help you with? I'd like to know if you should put plastic on the ground underneath your house. We have like a three-foot climb under there. Should we lay plastic on that for a barrier, for a moisture barrier? Underneath like a ranch house. What's the, is it underneath the entire house or is it just under a certain area? No, it's underneath the entire house. So you can crawl under and someone said you should put plastic on top of the dirt. Now, are you having any moisture issues inside the house? Uh, Not really. We were just thinking it would be a good idea to do that. Now, generally with an enclosed crawl space or one that's, you know, smaller scale to an entire home, we would always recommend putting down sort of a plastic sheathing and you want to fill the entire space. And in areas where you do have to have seams, you want to make sure that you overlap you know, a good foot or two so that it really lays down nicely. Um, now, Tom, would you do that if it's under the entire house? Yeah, I put it down across the crawl space floor along the entire house because it stops the moisture in the soil from wicking up and evaporating up into the air and then getting the insulation damp and making it ineffective. So it's always a good idea to have, it's called a vapor barrier, and to have that down on top of that soil surface. You also want to check the exterior, though, to make sure that your gutters are clean, the downspouts are extended. It's part of a of a moisture management solution. It's not just, you know, one-off. You want to make sure you're limiting the amount of moisture that actually gets to that, you know, the dirt or the soil underneath the crawl space. So if you make sure that your gutters are extending away from the house, you know, a good three feet or so, um, and not depositing the water back towards that crawl space. You know, any sort of planting bedded areas, you want to make sure that that soil slopes away. You just want to do your best that you can to move the moisture away. Okay. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Chuck in Rhode Island needs some help cleaning something. What's going on at your money pit? How would you suggest I go about removing blood stains from carpeting? Well, I'm assuming since you're calling in, it's nothing that we want to hide or cover up, correct? No, no. Oh, no, 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 no. All right. Are they, have they been down there a long time? Yeah, about six months. All right. So there's a couple of different things that you can try, one of which is to make a paste out of salt. And so you take a bowl of cold water and you put enough salt in to make a bit of a paste. And then you apply that to the carpet, let it sit a bit, brush it in with like a small brush, like a small old hairbrush or a toothbrush, and see if it starts to lift the stains away. Uh, you can dab it with water to kind of thin out the salt. And then after it dries, you can vacuum it, and that will pull all the rest of the salt off of it. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's one way to do it. The other way to do it is to try to make a mixture of hydrogen peroxide up and water. This hydrogen peroxide will also clean up blood. I always say to try this, though, in an area that's inconspicuous because it also has somewhat of a bleaching effect. We don't want to have you bleach out the, the carpet. So you can try it in a corner, under furniture, in a closet, wherever you know, wherever you have a less visible area. What ratio of the peroxide to water? Well, no, actually, you can just put the peroxide on without water. Just put like, like 3% hydrogen peroxide. Okay, I'll try those, those items and see what happens. All right, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEYPIT, 888-666-3974. 
Well, spring is a season of renewal, and that includes your roof. Now, winter's harsh winds, snow, and ice definitely can weaken the roof, allowing spring's heavy rains to seep right on through. That's why now is the perfect time for a roof inspection. We're going to share how to do just that in today's roof review tip presented by RoofMax. First of all, using a pro to inspect your roof once a year is the best way that you can spot problems early. However, there are plenty of things that you can do yourself to identify signs of a potential leak. That's right. So you want to start inside by checking the ceilings on upper floors for any stains or other signs of leaks. Now, pay special attention to the ceilings above bathrooms or kitchens because plumbing vents pass through the roof above these spaces, and those pipes can often break down where they go through the roof, and that can cause leaks. Also check for leaks above fireplaces which is another spot loose flashing can allow rain to seep in. Next, you want to head outside and examine your roof from the ground using binoculars or even a camera with a zoom lens. Now you want to look for loose or missing shingles as well as loose flashing around the chimney, the pipes, or where the walls and the roof come together. Now if you spot any problem areas, it's a lot easier to get minor problems fixed now before they become those major leaks later. And that's today's roof review tip presented by RoofMax. A RoofMax treatment restores flexibility and waterproofing protection of aging asphalt shingle roofs, extending life by as much as 15 years. RoofMax treatments come with a five-year flexibility guarantee and is purchased through a nationwide network of factory-trained and certified dealers who also apply the treatment. Learn more at RoofMax.com. That's RoofMAXX.com. Louise in Texas is on the line and needs some help cleaning up after a gardening project gone awry. Tell us what happened. Oh, yes. We have these insidious vines. One found its way in a crack. I guess my windows weren't very good. And it grew into a back bedroom that I had closed off this winter. And it grew across my wall and onto the ceiling. So I pulled it down and cut it off, and I went outside, and now it has left behind hard stuff on there that I can't get off. I don't know how to get it off without damaging the wall. Yeah, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and whenever you have a vine attached to a house, those attachment points are really insidious. They're very hard to get off, and it really takes nothing more than elbow grease. And so if you're talking about a drywall surface here, you're literally going to have to sand that surface, lightly abrade that surface, because you don't want to cut through the paper to get off anything that the vine left behind. Then once you're done sanding it, then you have to prime it, and you need to use a good quality primer here and prime the entire surface, if not the entire room, and then repaint the room. But there's no way to clean what's left behind with that vine debris. You have to actually physically abrade it off, scrape it, prime it, sand it to get rid of it. And if you want to slow down those vines from growing on the outside of your house, think about spraying Roundup on them. Roundup, you spray it on the leaves, and it goes down through the plant's infrastructure and kills them at the roots, and that might help get it under control. All right, Louise, good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at one eight 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 Money Pit. Alan Idaho is on the line with a crack in a foundation. Tell us what's going on at your money pit. You know, when I first bought the house, uh, a contractor buddy of mine said it was no big deal. And he, he gave me some epoxy, said to drill some holes in it, and squirt it in there until it mushed out all the way through, and then just go ahead and smooth it off. Well, it didn't seal it, but it's cracked right again beside it. Okay, so you have a crack in the foundation that you filled with, you filled with uh, epoxy, and it's continuing to crack. Is that, is that the case? Right. 
How old is your house? 67 is when it was built. All right, so it's concrete block wall or cinder block wall, correct? It's concrete. Now, do you have any drainage issues around the house? Uh, Not that I know of. Have you had any moisture in the basement or signs of that? Uh, the only time I've ever had any moisture in the basement is the previous owner drilled a hole in the floor and run the condensate drain for the air conditioner into the floor. All right. That's not the kind of moisture we're concerned about. The reason I ask that question is because it sounds like your wall is a little unstable and that's continuing to move. And the first thing to do when that happens, if it's not a serious crack, not one where the wall is being displaced, is to make sure that your grading and your drainage conditions are absolutely letter perfect because the more water that soaks around the outside of that house, the more water that comes off gutters and gets discharged against the wall, the weaker that foundation gets. It's kind of like this. When it's rainy and you walk across a field, you sink into the mud because wet dirt is not as strong as dry dirt. So we want to try to keep the dirt around your house and specifically under your footing as dry as possible. So drainage control is important. Now, beyond that, if this is just um, sort of a hairline crack that's forming, is that what we're talking about here? Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, the original one was, it was a pretty good-sized crack. But- well, what I would do if it's a hairline crack is I would fill it with silicone caulk because it will expand and contract and won't, you know, epoxy is pretty stiff if it's going to break and crack through it. So I would just fill it with silicone caulk. That will just keep out some moisture and drafts from coming through it. All right. And now, now if I... Uh- if I if I dig down, I know it doesn't go clear to the footing because I've I've been down that far. I dug down to see how far it went down, and uh, so dig down and, and uh, suggest maybe tarring it up below grade. I wouldn't go through all that. I mean, right now it's it's. I would just improve the drainage conditions and seal the crack from the inside where you can. Okay. All right. I don't think it's going to really add to it to tar up the whole foundation. You don't seem to have any major moisture problem here. So we're just trying to deal with uh, the drafts and, and any potential leakage in the future. Well, just last month, the average national price for regular gas reached its highest price ever, like ever in the history of gas sales in America. Now, that strain is impacting consumers and businesses in ways that we've never before imagined, and that includes contractors, the guys we hire to help maintain and improve our homes. In fact, according to a survey by Angie, nearly 95% of pros say that higher gas prices have definitely had an impact on their businesses, and nearly 75% say that they're going to be raising prices to make up for this added expense. With us to talk about this impact and to offer some tips on how to work with contractors during these unusual times is Misha Fisher. Misha is the Chief Economist for Angie. Welcome, Misha. Hey, great to be with you, Bill. This is fun. This is crazy. I mean, the record gas prices are having an impact on home projects pretty much at every level from big to small. I was fascinated by your survey where you describe a well-established landscape contractor whose practice was, as as many do, to always provide free estimates. And they actually figured that the cost of that free estimate was about 10 bucks, which was manageable. But today, it's more like $40. And so for the first time in the history of their business, they need to start charging for estimates. I mean, that is an uncomfortable shift for both the business and for the consumers. Yeah, that's right. There's real consequences for raising gas prices because... You know, it uh, it's not free to go anywhere. It used to be pretty cheap. About a year ago, it was you know it was under three bucks a gallon, two eighty seven or so. And this year, like you said, in that intro, it's up around 
425 a gallon. Oh my gosh. Ours here in New York have been even higher. I mean, I can't even believe it. So now you've got, you know, inflation causing the material prices to go up. You've got labor shortages. That's kind of increasing the cost of labor across the home services, but now the gas prices. So you're kind of getting it from every direction. Right. Yeah, you really are when you're looking at that project. It's going to cost you a little bit more on each one of those fronts because, as you said, materials are up already. You know, you're looking at, you know, inflation in things like plywood and other sorts of common inputs. Paint, those things are 20 to 40 percent higher than they were a year ago. And then on top of that, the gas price doesn't just impact you when you're talking about the pros cost of driving to you. It's also all those materials, right? Building materials in particular are heavy, and that that uh, that takes a lot of petroleum to move those things around. Yeah, every part of the supply chain is impacted. But you say there's some ways that you and your pros can work together to help manage those expectations and manage sort of a positive working relationship through all of these extra costs. What do you suggest? Yeah, I think there's a couple of different things homeowners should do. And so, I mean, the first one is you should really have open communication with your pro because if you don't understand what's going on, how do you plan for it, and likewise, it allows the pro to understand what your expectations are. So the first thing is just make sure you're communicating and talking about this. Don't make it be a subject that you're not bringing up. Talk about gas prices. Talk about if they're building that in for estimates or for extra costs on jobs that they're doing or if they're going to pass on that cost to you if they need to run to the lumber store another couple of extra times. And then on top of that, though, expect the extra charge, right? You should really sort of build that in as well. So those two things, I think, are two of the top tips that really come together in terms of how you think about that. But there's some other things you can do, too. So like one really practical strategy would be if you can bundle all of your home projects together, that allows the pro to save those trips. It also potentially allows you to have more done in one go. It's good for your pocketbook. It's good for the environment, too, if people care about limiting the amount of emissions that are going on to uh, to service their projects. And, uh, you know, in that same spirit, you can also book pros that are closer to your home. So if you book pros that are closer to your home, then again, less gas prices, less driving around. I mean, is there a hope in sight? Does it seem like things are going to start to calm down? Because this lady here is the dummy who, because my family suddenly grew with, you know, my boyfriend and his son with us all the time, I went from just the three of us to five of us and upgraded to like the biggest car you've ever seen, truck that costs gajillions of dollars. And (laughs) I'm at a loss here. Well, the good news is it's a comfortable ride, right? That's well, I mean, it's like riding. driving in a living room, but it also is like, you know, 90 bucks to fill up. Right. Yeah, that's hard. So gas prices are a classic story of supply and demand. Right now, demand is up. A lot of supply got turned off during the pandemic. If people think back at the height of the pandemic, the spot price for gas, so the actual price to uh, to take possession of it went negative. So people were like paying to get rid of it because there was so much of it because everything got turned off. And right now we're dealing with sort of the flip side. It's coming back on. There's a lot of demand for it. Supply hasn't come back online yet. And so, you know, I don't think that we're going to see the same rate of gas price increase going forward. I think it'll probably normalize. But uh, in your case, I would say, you know what, just enjoy that nice ride and and, uh, (laughs) don't think too much about what you're paying at the pump. Misha, you know what I think one of the problems is with this situation is it really comes to credibility. And here's why I say that, because every time there is a single storm somewhere that affects uh, gasoline production, it could be a storm or it could be a ship that went down. Anything like that that gets in the news, the next day, the corner 
gas station you've been going to every single day, all of a sudden it's 10 cents more. You know it's the same gas that was in the tank the day before, but now it's 10% more because way across the country somewhere there was an accident. And then when you get surcharges on fuel, they always go up. They never come off. I think if I was in this business and I was really concerned a bit, I would say to my customers, because of the additional expenses of fuel, we are going to add a surcharge of X. We're doing this from this state to this state, so you know there's an end date. And then on the end date, if gas prices are down to this level, we will reevaluate or it will come off so that people really know what to expect. Because I think that sometimes consumers just don't believe it. They think it's going to be added and it'll just never come back off. Trust is huge. You really got to make sure that uh, trust is in there. So I think your suggestion is a good one. And certainly if there's any pros listening, I think include a free estimate if you, certainly if you get the job, right? I mean, pass the cost of the estimate back on to a consumer if, you do get the job if you charge them for the estimate. But then also, yeah, be be honest about the source of the higher price. And if prices dip back down to three fifty a gallon, then make sure those those surcharges go away. Excellent. Misha Fisher, thank you so much for stopping by the Money Pit. You are always so on top of these trends, and we really do appreciate your insight. Misha Fisher is the chief economist for Angie. The place to go if you need to find a pro for your project is Angie. Go to Angie.com, A-N-G-I.com. Thanks again, Misha. Have a great day. Great to be with you. Well, whether you're thinking of remodeling your laundry room or you just want the most trouble-free laundry room possible, there's a few simple things that you can do to greatly reduce chances of flooding and fires. First of all, let's start with the basics. Let's talk about those water supply hoses. Now, most washers use those rubber-based water supply lines The problem here is that those hoses, they're eventually going to swell and then they're going to break. And when that happens, they can release an unlimited amount of water, which can cause major damage. The solution is pretty simple. You just replace those rubber water lines with braided steel water lines, and they're made to withstand the daily stresses and are virtually leak-proof and super easy to install. Now, if you've got separate water valves for hot and cold water, take the opportunity to upgrade to a single lever turnoff valve, and that's going to turn both hot and cold water off at the same time. If turning the valve off is made easy, then you can turn the valve off between uses and never have to worry about a leak. Now, another option is to install an automatic shutoff valve. Now, the way this works is the valves are smart, and they can detect when too much water is running through the line, such as what happens with a broken hose. And so you'll catch that unusual water flow before it turns to a waterfall, like cascading through your light fixtures and into the rooms below. Now, next, let's talk about your dryer. The most common source of laundry room fires is a clogged dryer vent. In fact, lint that collects in dryer exhaust ducts are responsible for multiple deaths and nearly 15,000 dryer fires each year. The solution is to always empty that lint trap and then every six months clean out the dryer exhaust duct. Now, there's a handy tool called a lint eater, and it does that very easily. It's a rotating brush that's mounted on a flexible rod that attaches to a drill. You just run it in and out of the dryer exhaust, and then it pulls out the most ridiculous amount of lint. Whether it's been six months or a year, there's always something. And if you wait a long amount of time, the amount that comes out, it's insane. It is. It's crazy. But lastly, make sure your exhaust duct is made from metal and not plastic. If you've got the old-style dryer ducts that are like flexible plastic, replace them. Get a metal duct to make sure your system is operating as safe as possible. So just a few simple steps to do right now. It's going to keep things running smoothly and avert any potential laundry room disaster. Dan in Pennsylvania is on the line with a plumbing question. What can we help you with? Yes, uh, my son has an older house with uh, cast iron or steel drain pipes, and 
they go, the main line goes straight down from the toilet and then under the basement floor. And he's continually getting clogged because of the, the cast iron gets rough over time and tends to catch things. So I'm wondering, I realize normal drain lines, you drop them an inch a foot so you don't uh, get too, too fast to drain and pull, siphon out the uh, traps. But can you, with the main line, can you do pretty much whatever you want with that? Uh, like, say, 245s and then straight down to get it to the edge of the property? And then uh, that, well, that way I don't have to tear up a little bit to get to uh, out of the, the house with the plastic pipe. Well, you may not have to tear anything up. There's a pipe lining technology that you can consider where essentially they reline the cast iron pipes with a fiberglass sleeve that's smooth and doesn't have those types of obstructions. It also helps stop root growth that can sometimes get into the seams of, of cast iron piping. Uh, and that can be done with the pipes in place. You wouldn't have to tear anything up. I would have to cut the pipe, I guess, because it goes down and then underneath a portion of the basement at like some sort of a, probably a 90, and there may be a trap in under the basement floor as well. Well, but all of this can be done without you having to access it because the way the pipelining works is, first of all, they put a camera down there to figure out which way the drains are going, and they can do that with a pipe camera. And then they run what looks kind of like a fiberglass sock through the pipe, and it's kind of like if you can imagine turning a sock inside out, they do that with water pressure and it turns inside out and sort of forms against the uh, inner walls of the cast iron pipe and then sort of dries and hardens to this sort of very strong, smooth surface that won't obstruct the flow. Okay. Thank you very much. Carol wrote in saying, I've got a double sink, and when I have suds in the larger sink, they back up into the second sink. I've had a plumber come in and snake the line, but he can't find anything. What's going on? Yeah, I think that's a pretty common problem when you have double sinks, but there's really only two reasons that that happens. And the the number one reason is because that main drain is clogged. Now, I'm glad the plumber snaked it out. I don't know which drains he snaked out, and I hope he did the right one. Uh, and I hope you also did the vent, but if you want to just try this, you can pour a cup of fresh baking soda down the drain, followed by one cup of white vinegar. Just make sure you put a stopper on the other sinkhole to cover the drain opening, and then wait about 15 minutes for the vinegar and baking soda to kind of unclog your drain. Uh, then you can take out the stopper and run some hot water down both sides and see if that helps. But the second reason, and in your case, since you already had it snaked, I think this is more likely the second reason when they're not adequately vented. Uh, that can cause the sink to drain slowly, and maybe it's just backing up as a result of that. All right, Carol, and hey, if it unclogs it sooner, Tom, is it going to burst that cork out of the second sink? Because that'd be kind of fun. <laughs> I don't think so. Well, green home improvement options seem to be multiplying lately, and it's not always clear how much you're actually helping the planet and yourself with the choices you make. Leslie's going to help us sort it all out in today's edition of Leslie's Last Word. Leslie, take it away. Yeah, you know, when you go to the supermarket, you see things like organic and healthy. It's trying to make you feel like those are the better things for you. Same goes when you go to the home improvement store. Building products, fixtures, they can all be greenwashed and kind of hide their true value behind those big prices and even bigger claims. So we've got to sort out what of these home improvement related products How are they really being environmentally friendly? And so we've got to really take a look at how we determine if a product is truly green. So you want to start by considering the basics, the raw materials that go into that product and where they come from. You've got to remember that anything that's got to be transported a long, long way, you know, that brings with 
all kinds of other precious resources into that equation. So you've got to really think about like, is it worth it to get that from all the way over there? What is that really helping and saving? Now, next, you got to look at the adhesives, the coatings, the finishes that are used to make that product viable and whether or not that manufacturing process leads to the release of harmful substances, you know, things like volatile organic compounds, VOCs. You've also got to consider that in the packaging because how those things are built, put together, finished, and how they're packaged really impacts how much of those VOCs are being released into your home's environment during and then after the installation. Now, a product's afterlife is also a factor in determining its greenness Just as there are benefits to selecting a product that's made from sustainable ingredients, you need to know that those ingredients can then be recycled or reclaimed or repurposed when your time with that product is over. All good things do come to an end, and when that happens, a green one is a much more preferred product. So you got to be smart, guys, and pay attention. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Show. Coming up next time on the program, are you planning a project to improve your outdoor spaces but want to be confident it is a good investment? We'll share details on a project that does just that in the very next edition of the Money Pit. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. credit card bill.